Hi everyone, it's Fiona here from TY Hub and today we're doing Let's Talk About Careers with Laura Russell, uh, who's a female pilot, we're Aer Lingus and also uh, in our spare time, not that she would have much of that, <laughs> uh, she she's a, a flight instructor and um, a stunt flight um Pilot. Aerobatic, 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 aerobatic. <laughs> um, pilot. Um, so welcome to TY Hope, Laura. It's an exciting, it's going to be an exciting podcast to have with you. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> You're very good for making time in your schedule. <laughs> so we start off, I know you, you had, uh, you've done transitioning yourself. Um, you uh, went to when, when you were in school you didn't really under, know what you wanted to do your career path started not as a pilot or anywhere near it it was a hobby at the very start is that right Laura that's it yeah it when I did transition year I kind of uh did a few work experiences that has nothing to do with what I'm doing now but it was great because it was like process of elimination you know um and I ended up doing um physics uh, for leaving cert which I absolutely loved and I went on to uh, University College Cork to do a degree in physics but it was only in my first year of uh, UCC that I started flying lessons and yeah as soon as I did the first flying lesson I kind of knew oh yeah that's it that's actually what I want to do. <laughs> this is this is the path that you want to go down but that didn't that you didn't stop uh, um, there and then and become a pilot you, it takes a long yeah. time to to get yeah. there in as, as a private um pilot anyway but you you finished your degree masters I did um so I I did the the degree in physics it was just it was the when I uh, applied on the CAO form um for that uh, degree in UCC it was like physics and astrophysics and you could choose between the two as you made your way through the years uh I stuck with pure physics and then um the uh when I completed the PhD it was 2008 so right at the kind of wrong time for kind of the Celtic tiger bust mm -hmm. let's say <laughs> and um careers in aviation were not going to be forthcoming that was very obvious to me a lot of my friends had been qualified and were looking for jobs and not getting them because it was just not a great time so I was very lucky like I still obviously I still love physics even though you know I knew kind of flying was where I wanted to go um having a, a backup career is a very, very uh, useful and uh, beneficial thing. So I, I ended up getting a, a scholarship to do a PhD in physics in UCC. So that's what uh, I pursued then for the next uh, five years um, while the economy, et cetera, recovered itself. So, yeah, I stuck with it. Yeah. You stuck with it. And and it, it was um it was actually your granny that, or uh, your nana, <laughs> that your grandmother so many different names for that one and we all <laughs> in different parts of the country yeah 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 and so um so your grandmother had actually gotten you your very first flight uh flight lesson that was it yeah yeah so she actually um she gave it to me as a gift for getting through the leaving search you know she was an amazing woman like um it was not just us that used to call her Nan. I think half the world <laughs> used to call her Nan because um, she was very much a, a, a mother figure to so many people. But for me, anyway, she was absolutely a role model growing up. Like she she taught me how to drive. She only learned to drive when she was in her late 50s. And uh, 
I remember her teaching me how to drive in her uh, Ford Fiesta that she got. So yeah, um, she bought me my first flying lesson, which I took in October 2004, it would have been, up in Cork Airport in um, a little Piper Cherokee aircraft, a little four-seat aircraft. And um, it was then that following January, February that I started taking flying lessons Um I would say frequently, but actually I was a very broke college student. So it was very infrequently, <laughs> but in my mind, it was like the biggest event of the yes. whole month. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember at the time, um, obviously I was in college, like, so I was trying to attend lectures and I remember trying to schedule a flying lesson on the Wednesday morning in between two <laughs> of my lectures. And so I used to do a lecture at 9 a.m. and then scoot up to the airport try and get like, you know, 45 minutes of a flying lesson in and then back down for my uh, lecture at like one o'clock or something like that. So, oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about keeping it, cutting it fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, yeah. And I, I'm very, like, I'm a very honest person, so I didn't like missing lectures. I used to feel so guilty if I came in five minutes late, uh, which I used to do on occasion, especially if the flying lesson was good. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah would well, you know it, it's it, college is a totally different walk of life than in secondary school um yeah. anyway so it's it's you know your lecturer mightn't have even come in for that one <laughs> no exactly <laughs> like it wasn't just me for, um and when you were you you did transition year yourself laura um when you were in transition year what was it that you had in mind like for, for your own career or was there even a career on the radar did you think about college yeah you know like yeah. what was ty like for you I, I think I had some ideas of things that I wanted to investigate if you like uh but to be honest looking back now I can see I had no notion really of what I wanted to do and that's why like transition year is great uh as I mentioned there earlier like it's great for process of elimination if you don't have a clear idea of what you want to do Go and try a few different things and kind of cross them off the list if you like. So I did three work experiences. I, I worked um initially in a uh, a musical instrument shop in town in, in, in Cork. Uh so kind of customer facing and I like I love music and you know I thought that oh I would you know do something in music maybe. Uh, uh I did that for a few months and then I did um a day in a biochem lab. Right. Uh, every every week for about three months in UCC. And um, it was funny because, like, I kind of knew I was going to put down maybe a science subject on my CAO form, but I wasn't sure what science subject. Okay. And that absolutely ruled out biochem for me. I didn't really like the... It just didn't grab me as much as physics. Like, I, okay. I, even though I, I... Like, I liked being in a lab, but I didn't really enjoy the stuff we were doing in there. So that was great. So I kind of crossed that off the list. And then at the end of fourth year, I ended up working in a picture framer. Uh, shop very near where I live here in Cork and I love that actually I, I really really love, love the hands-on stuff and uh, I ended up working there all summer like that that was fabulous I knew it wasn't like it wasn't what I was going to go do but it was absolutely something I, I took great enjoyment in you know yeah kind of a, a more artsy uh, kind of hobby if you like um but, but yeah, so you'll be able to frame all, make all your own frames for your service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have done since. Oh my god, it's it's yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. 
yeah. must remember that one, Laura. I think I need a few things framed. Maybe I should start a side business. Like Just a little one, yeah. yeah. Um, and when you um, did you like? I know we're we're talking today because you're involved in a. We're both involved in this fantastic event, Future of Women in Aviation. Yeah. Um, which is on in uh, autumn this year. And it's online and it's fantastic and it's open for everybody to to um attend and just get the school to to uh sign up. Um and we'll yeah. have a link on the bottom here to to connect to that one. But your um your career path that you are at now, so you work for Lingus. Yeah. Um tell us how did you get involved or how did you get involved? How did you go from private um pilot to become a pilot for Aer Lingus okay yeah um so I uh, just to mention first I very much took the scenic route uh towards the commercial flying mm. side of things and that was mostly because of the I suppose well my own lack of finances which is a totally normal and unusual thing and um th just the economy at the time so like I said I had done I'd started flying lessons in 2005 and during uh, my degree then in, in physics in UCC, I just continued flying lessons and I eventually got my private license uh, in my third year of the physics degree. So I just plodded away at it. Like uh, I remember every summer uh, I would do um, like a, a low paid internship type of thing in the physics department, but it was still paid, which helped. Um, I used to do a bit of web design on the side as well. So more pocket money for more flying lessons. And um, in that last, in that third year summer, I um, I remember borrowing um, uh, some cash from my parents just to plow through the end of the course. Mm. And um, I was able to just finish it out and get my private license. So that was great. That, that was wonderful. And um, like I said, it was very obvious that I wasn't going to be getting a job in commercial aviation anytime soon. So I continued with my backup career, if you like the physics and so on. And um, I spent the next 10 years, I suppose, hour building. Um, so the step between private license and commercial license means that you um, have to build up a certain number of hours, complete commercial license exams. So these are theoretical exams and a few other couple of bits and bobs along the way. And I knew that that would take some time while I completed my PhD. Uh, so it was 2013 when I finished that PhD. So I defended my thesis and uh, I went looking for jobs and other uh, opportunities. And uh, I had done, it, it was an experimental PhD. So I was in a lab every day um, doing experiments, taking results and data and so on. Mm. And I kind of like, I, that's what I always enjoyed doing. I liked working hands-on with stuff. But uh, I was very sick of research by then. Like I didn't want to see the inside of another lab for a while after that. So I ended up applying um, for some engineering positions in in what I kind of termed as like a normal job, okay. you know, a normal <laughs> company. <laughs> and uh, I got a job with a, a wonderful company called Vallejo, who are based up in Galway. As an optical engineer, they make components, safety components for cars and trucks okay. and vehicles. Uh, so I was designing the lenses that you will uh, have on most vehicles these days that allow you to see rear view and surround view um, views on your dashboard. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I did that for two and a half years 
And during that time, I had built up enough hours to do the commercial license and I completed the uh, the theoretical exams to start that commercial license. And thankfully, the economy had recovered itself and Aer Lingus had reopened their cadetship um, program. It's now called the Future Pilot Program and it does it is running every year. Um, and I kept applying to that because it's like it's like when you buy a lottery ticket, you just do because you might win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had no real expectation of getting it, but you always you'd always put your name in the hat anyway. Mm-hmm. And um on the maybe third or fourth attempt, I actually got it, which was wow. just astounding. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, and that was in 2016. And then that that was it. Like I I uh, obviously left my job in, in Galway as the engineer. And I started my commercial trading with Aer Lingus. And uh, yeah, that, that's so that's how I got the commercial aviation job. But that's not the only way you can get it. Uh, there's obviously a couple of different pathways okay. um, towards it. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, and on um, when your keynote speaker for the event, the future of women in aviation, it's not just for women. It is for for everyone in, yeah. interested in aviation. Yeah. And you'll be talking about how to to get those steps from from school, how the different exactly paths yeah. are, are there for for anybody to become yeah. a pilot. There is a reason behind why you're so keen on being involved in this event and doing talks like this with myself and and schools as well is because you experience it wasn't directly yourself, but you when you were in school uh, by no fault of of the teacher or education um a, fo- a fellow pupil had asked yeah. about uh careers as a, as a pilot this is what she wanted to do um tell us a little bit about that because that you know th- i think that kind of gave you a little dig as well to to go and yeah. look at your, your dreams and pursue it yeah i know you're dead right and this is a real standout event for me I remember very clearly being in transition year and um, one of the girls in my class raised her hand and asked our career guidance teacher if she could become a pilot, even though she wore glasses. And without hesitation, the career guidance counsellor said no. And I, like at the time, I haven't even, like I hadn't even thought about flying then. I was, you know, it was a couple of years before I got interested in it. But I kind of thought in my head, hmm, I wonder is that correct? Like, and uh, now I look back thinking, oh, my goodness, have we lost a potential pilot because of that? You know, and it's, and it's so I mean, it is actually, you know, generally, I think a lot of people do. I mean, if you think about pilots, you don't think glasses, you think perfect vision. But um, there I mean, not there is limits in um, eyesight that uh, and glasses where, where you know, um, you need them. Is there are they have there to be strength, or less yeah. than certain strengths but the, the, there are other options there for you if you're in, in oh in, yeah in absolutely and, and if actually, you are over the the limit um but for for teachers it's so hard they're dealing with um i don't know how big your your school was but most schools are quite large 
And even the smaller schools, like if you had 25 students in a year and you multiply that by six years, that's an awful lot of little heads looking to, to get information from you. Now, nowadays, there are more events there like this one for uh, Future of Women in Aviation, but also um, and TY Hub, we, we, we try and strive to um, bring forward the career options and the information to the students and to the teachers as well. They, there's an endless amount of careers out there and you can't, one person cannot know all the answers either. So you could have that poor pupil was asking about, you know, she was interested in becoming a pilot, but she had glasses. Um, So automatically your teacher said, no, you can't, you've got glasses, you know? um, Also, you know, Google wasn't a big thing either. Like, no. you know, let's just, let's just <laughs> yeah. Google what, can yeah. you actually become a pilot? It is still a common question though with oh, yeah. kids and, and with adults. Like you would automatically think that you can't fly a plane with if you had glasses. I think there is, um in in the Air Corps, I think there is, um you're, you're not allowed to, wear contact lenses or have corrective uh, laser done on your eyes and stuff like that. So there are, there are limits there, but like go, go look at the limits before uh, exactly and, and ways around them. Uh, uh, and I have to say like uh, even kind of 15, 20 years ago, the legislation would have been different as it is now. Like yes. I actually, there's so many pilots I fly with that all have glasses. Yeah, yeah. It's it's and not a big deal now. And, and there was you know, a height limit as well before there used to be, yeah. And there yeah. there is still some height limits for military stuff. Mm. And that's purely because um if if you want to be a, a military pilot, usually you're gonna end up flying an aircraft which is made or manufactured in quite small numbers. Mm-hmm. So the manufacturer necessarily wants to keep costs down and doesn't want to um accommodate every end of the height spectrum of pilots okay. you know so it has to be a, a closer fit of something you know more average um so there's a few little nuances that obviously a career guidance teacher is not going to know yes that's uh, that's totally okay because i i couldn't tell you what the glasses requirements are for a pilot i know where to find it yeah. um, and the legislation is long and lengthy and and there's every possible um like uh you know health quirk <laughs> kind of mentioned and catered for in there but you don't learn that stuff off so how would you expect oh. a, a fourth year uh, guidance counselor to to know exactly. that so it's totally understandable that's why the this event is going to be super you know exactly and like yeah. speaking to people in careers um is is an eye opener for for myself like you know um talking from all walks of life but like yeah. speaking to yourself um about general careers i mean it's not just pilotship that you've done you've you've done other <laughs> galway uh, <laughs> now i know how 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 the lenses work <laughs> for your dashboard and, <laughs> you know things like that like you know it has been an eye opener for myself and i think more events like future of women in aviation yeah. are needed in different career paths mm-hmm. um there's no apprenticeship for for uh pilots but there is cadetship and you mentioned like 
you you can actually go in quite early into this as well there are you know there are ways of in this you don't have to go through the lengthy hours of yeah yeah, uh, yeah. private private flying and then yeah. uh, do your commercial hours and then you know working all that way so the long the scenic route is what you took um uh, which suited what you were doing at the time and also exactly you learned some other skills while you were doing this um, yes <laughs> your aerobatics uh, and you're also a qualified uh, instructor now as well so uh, tell us a bit about like that is very different like you know <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> obviously you've done the aerobatics before you became a commercial yes. pilot yes. so tell us a little bit about the difference there um no well, not the difference but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> which one do you which one do you prefer uh, uh, is it a bit of an adrenaline junkie situation where you know you're flying but i i understand like the 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 grasp that you need to have um to fly an aircraft like whether it's a small four-seater plane or even a two-seater plane to you know a commercial flight that's that you're you've got um i don't know two, 250 people on board plus plus the staff uh to look after and it's massive like you know yeah well, yeah we're talking uh, at the moment right just before the summer holidays and everybody <laughs> going off in there uh, uh i know i am uh, on the airplane and leaving the island you know You're packing but, your bags yeah yeah uh, <laughs> packing the bags as, as i speak <laughs> dying for it but holidays, you know, every, yeah. everybody you know i remember i wanted to be an air hostess when i was like um when I was small and, and wanted to actually work for Aer Lingus. Um, I know those pathways are still there. They're not closed. They, there's no, no they, not at all. Yeah. different now than, than when I would have gone to school. But you were in transition year. You didn't really think about flying. Your, uh, your nan got you the, the, your first flying lesson. You then um continued flying lessons through through your college whenever you could afford it. Yeah. So you were going to university. You were studying like mad. You were you had a obviously you would have had a, a side job doing you know trying to get there. Then you're you're doing your flying lessons. You move on into your career, but in between all of that you just decided to become try a little bit of difference with the aerobatic yeah so I actually tried that very early on uh so that that year that I started lessons 2005 um my nan had passed away actually that Christmas prior um so that, that was just after I took that first flying lesson that she gave me um but myself my mum dad and brother um we all went up to Salt Hill Air Show the summer 2005. And that was the first time I had seen aerobatics in real life. Mm. Um, so I by then I had a sprinkling of hours clapped up in the little um, four seat Piper Cherokee down in Cork. And I obviously was obsessed with flying lessons and learning to fly and everything about it. And, and actually studying physics only complemented that, you know. Yeah. Um, so... At Salt Hill uh, Air Show, I saw for the first time um, pilots doing aerobatic displays. Um, so everything from loops and rolls to the more kind of advanced gyroscopic kind of tumbling things where you see them doing this across the sky and so on. And I was absolutely mesmerized and I was wondering what 
must the pilot be seeing and experiencing inside the aircraft like it was just thrilling and um I'm not one to sit around like <laughs> so I immediately like got myself booked in for a uh trial aerobatic lesson in England okay. uh, like literally I was over there a month later because there was very little uh, aerobatics in Ireland like there was okay. maybe four or five guys who used to do it um, is there now no no it's okay. the same yeah it's just that I'm now one of the four or five guys that do it. <laughs> so, okay. <yeah. laughs> um, um, so yeah, went over, tried it. Um, it was over in Gloucester, and it was just a half an hour. Uh, where you, you know, your your instructor would demonstrate how to fly a loop, and you would try it, and okay. demonstrate another thing, and you'd try to fly it. And um, I remember thinking that it was the most. It was just such a captivating experience. Like you, uh, for, I'm a very, like I'm a scientist. I'm mm -hmm. a very objective person, but this was a really emotional experience where I felt completely connected to the sky and the airplane. And uh, I found that I was really good at it. Like <laughs> I just, I found it a very natural thing and I was able to do a very precise loop and, and roll the aircraft at a very high roll rate, but stop it exactly, you know, with the wings level. And I, I was like, oh, hey, well, that's actually what I want to do. <laughs> and um, when I came back from that, I did some internet reconnaissance. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, aviation is a very small world and aerobatic flying is a much smaller world. And I was able to find a couple of guys in Ireland who did this type of flying. Um and the hassling began. I, I started to hassle. <laughs> it's not hassling, uh, it's perseverance. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, one of them got really sick of me hassling and um he agreed to take me up and teach me the the basics, the fundamentals. And um just for anyone who doesn't realize, like the type of flying you might see at Bray Air Show, mm -hmm. for example, is display flying, it's air display stuff. That's one discipline. Okay. Um, the kind of flying that I do is the other discipline, which is the sport. So I do um, competition aerobatics, which isn't as much about the display, but it's about performing a set of maneuvers in the sky within very small uh, airspace boundaries. It's timed and each maneuver has to be uh, flown as precisely as possible. So you must... Um, you must uh, adhere to height limits, to um, limits on uh, where you stop rolling the aircraft if you're doing rolls and so on, and you are judged. Okay. So there is judges on the ground who are awarding you marks on your ability to fly a set of manoeuvres as closely as possible to how it is actually drawn out on a piece of paper. Is it, um, is it individual or is it a team sport? It's, uh, well... So you're up there on your own, like it's as in you are the only person in the aircraft. However, if you are entering, uh, if you have the luxury of being from a country with a team, then there are also team medals and trophies up for grabs. Uh, okay. However, that's not the case in Ireland. Um, there's no team. Well, I am Team Ireland at the moment this year. So, yeah. <laughs> slightly daunting <laughs> but yes we'll be rooting for you open the sky watch the skies um and how uh, i mean it, so you're you're doing it for ireland this year is it a european or is it a world competition that you would i'm uh, i'm going for the worlds and um 
it's 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 uh so okay so i've been doing this now for since 2005 mm -hmm. i've you know i've been working my way up the levels surely slowly but surely um i'll be entering the world championships at advanced level there's been no female pilot from Ireland to do this before. I think I'm the only um, one and the first one. So it's quite nice um, to kind of be making a little bit of history. Uh, and for when, this event... When is that, Laura? Yeah, that's in October, this event, the World Championships. It's um, it's on in Las Vegas. So I'll be renting an aircraft over there to compete. And it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a mad competition because many of the competitors will have lost out on a couple of years of competing due to COVID. Um, and they would have been at the higher, the highest level unlimited, which is one above what I'm competing at. So they'll all, they'll all because of a loophole in the rules, slip down to advance to compete. Um, mm. So I have no aims of winning or placing or getting medals take, or anything. Um, but, what, what matters, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah, it's 100%. And for me, if I can fly the thing without forgetting any manoeuvres or, you know, kind of embarrassing myself like you know I'll be absolutely thrilled and it's the first of many like you know I'll this is just the first year I've really really kind of publicized what I'm doing um, okay. because I um, think where, people where, need to see the, it you know yeah so the future of women in aviation event is on the 17th of October will you have completed this by then no I'll be on oh, my way so I'd no. say I'll be dialing in from the flight over to Las Vegas oh wow <laughs> that's okay. okay very authentic yeah well you'll have to let us know how you get on obviously I will of course you'll yes. be dying yeah. to know all about it um I I think it's such a fascinating career path that you've had yourself and it is a, a fascinating career the event uh future of women in aviation is a fantastic event like i said it's on the 17th of october it's a uh, uh, set up by icbe and aviation skillnet ireland and um there, there's there's lots to mention with that but i will put everything up underneath this podcast um thanks a million for for taking the time and having a chat i always love chatting with yourself laura as you know we're, we're quite chatterboxes um, yeah, yeah we'll have to do um, it regularly <laughs> i think we will be um so i mean like what we'll do is uh we'll definitely set up another one have a chat after the event i think would good. Be amazing and definitely best uh, wishing you the best luck from everybody watching i'm sure and everybody involved with uh, with ty hub and future of women in aviation with the with the world championship for for aerobatic flying i think it's just amazing and um keep keep getting sky's the limit no it's not sky's, sky's <laughs> not the limit no <laughs> is there any little thing that you can say in um in a nutshell really for anybody that um is watching today for any career i think you know what yeah. would be your nugget of uh, of knowledge to, to leave so them? i suppose for anyone um in the proximity of transition you're just don't don't feel any pressure to make decisions now like you have your whole life to pursue a career and to change your mind as I did mm -hmm. um, use the year as a great opportunity to rule things out if you must and I just um, if you do if you are one of those people who know right now what you want to do do not let anything stand in your way and if there's people around you that will help you and, and push you towards that goal or that career then keep those people close it's very important to listen to the positive people in your life definitely po positive uh positive influences is such yeah. a big deal um 
uh, and go out there and find them if they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, let, yeah. Any, don't let any hurdles stand in your way. Um, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you, may, totally. you may not have that connection around you or uh, positive streak, but like, go find it. Go yeah. research. Go ask the person that uh knows uh, and can give you guidance in in this if it's not if the teachers and parent and your parents and other uh people within your your network don't know the answers don't be afraid to ask them i think that's the yeah yeah and there are always people out there who will know the answers it's just a matter of finding them that's it and i can yeah. see all your lanyards sitting hanging up behind oh yeah <laughs> That's, I think that's my entire uh, physics and aviation career in lanyards and conference uh, ID cards. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what we'll do is we'll leave it at there. Um, Laura, thanks again for, for taking the time to uh, have a chat. As always, it's a pleasure to speak with you and I can't wait to chat to you again in maybe November. Uh, after yeah. You've done the World Championship and wishing them the very best of luck again thanks very much and uh i can't also can't wait to uh sit there quietly and watch uh the events the future of women in aviation and listen to more of your career path there, <laughs> there on that day thanks again thanks Fiona.